Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 8 of the Pitch Up Podcast. Today I'm joined by Matt Cooper. Hello. And Lewis Tissard. Hello. Today we'll be discussing the uh, latest Premier League fixtures that have gone ahead over the last seven days, including the news of uh, Nigel Pearson being sacked by Watford with only two games to go for them. We'll also be discussing the FA Cup semi-finals, which took place over the weekend. As we now have our two finalists, we're looking at a London derby. And finally, we will look through the championship running, which only has one game to go, and there's still vital points to be won at the top and the bottom of the table. But we will start with the uh, Premier League, and it's been a very um, interesting and a bit of a dramatic last seven days. The um, biggest news to come out of the Premier League was the uh, sacking of Nigel Pearson, the Watford manager who has lost his job with only two games to go. And um, Matt, is that the sort of thing they need in the camp with relegation pressure obviously on everyone? And do you really think a change of manager or losing their manager is what they need at this point? Um, yeah, it's really sort of a difficult one to judge, isn't it? Because, I mean, they've got some very difficult games coming up. I mean, their last two were... Uh, home at Man City and then away to uh, to Arsenal. So, I mean, on paper, you wouldn't think they'd they'd get much anyway. But, you know, it was sort of unsurprising given the timing that there was a bit more to it here and sort of the reports that he'd had a bit of a disagreement with the owners and some of the players. Um, you know, it sounds like that's more of the reason that he's gone rather than Results because you look at where Watford were, looked pretty much uh, dead yeah, and buried when um, when he took over, and now they're what three points clear of relegation and game in hand over Bournemouth. So you know it's going to be. I mean, it's going to be difficult given those last um, few games. But I don't know. I feel like Watford having points on the board over Aston Villa and Bournemouth might put them in uh, stand them in good stead. Uh, Lewis, one of say the reports coming out of Wales second because of the disagreements he had in the game against West Ham, where they were convincingly beaten three-one against them against West Ham. Um, and after the game, Nigel Pearson came out and he basically just threw all of these players under the bus. Um, do you think when a team is in a relegation scrap, that is the right thing to do, or do you think it could have the opposite effects and turn? turn the players against a manager, which it looked like it seems to have happened here. Um, I mean, the, the, I think there's there's different ways to motivate players um, when they're in those types of situations where it's tough going and, um, you know, there's doesn't really get much more difficult than a relegation battle. Um, do I think throwing them all under the bus and criticising them with two games to go is the right thing to do? Probably not. But um, yeah, it just it came as a big surprise to me that because it doesn't really feel I can't think of a recent example uh, in terms of previous seasons where a manager has been has lost their job with two games to go. So it was just really, really strange. And as Matt said, it's, you know, <laughs> pretty uh, difficult fixtures left. I mean, by the looks of it, I, I think a point um if yeah, especially if Aston Villa lose to Arsenal tonight, then Watford just need one point from those last two games to stay up. But you wouldn't be surprised if they lost both, which obviously then opens the door for uh, for Villa or Bournemouth if they can get a win from their remaining games. 
Um, for Watford, that's the third manager they have sacked this season. Um, it, it seems that that job is sort of a poison chalice. And would you want that job as a manager? You would, would you want to work for a board that, um, that is willing to get rid of you as easy as that? Well, I mean, it's always been sort of a philosophy by the, the Pozos in charge of Watford that, you know, it doesn't really matter who the manager is. It's more about sort of the wider club philosophy, hence why they've gone through so many managers in such a short space of time. But I think you get to a point where, you know, you keep sacking managers so quickly that eventually, you know, some of the best options for managers you're going to miss out on because you aren't they're going to look at Watford as well why would I go to Watford when I'm only going to get a maximum of sort of six months maybe even a season and you look at I mean Javi Gracia did a really good job there for one season and then had a few struggles in his second and was straight out the door you don't get any sort of it doesn't matter how much credit you put in the bank with one season you're you know poor run of form and you're gone. So it's it's going to sort of limit their options for looking for managers. But, I mean, it's worked for them so far um, and may work for them again if they stay in the division. So, I, I mean, I can't see them changing anytime soon. Um, another team in and around the bottom of the Premier League, or well, they're looking perilous at the moment, in the 19th position is uh, Bournemouth, who... Um, who haven't picked up any points in their last two games, losing away narrowly to uh, Manchester City and then losing a 2-0 two, two at home to um, Southampton, which, watching that game, was it was very much a kick in the teeth for them. I mean, they went 1-0 down to um, Danny Ings and they kept out a penalty. Aaron Ramsdale kept out the penalty. That was before the goal. And... Um, they, they actually managed to get one back right at the end through uh, Sam Surridge, the young forward, but uh, it was cruelly ruled out for offside. Well, if you're a Bournemouth fan, you'll find it cruel. And then at the end, uh, Che Adams got a, a late goal. And um, I think you could, it just see that um, the effort and the uh, motivation is just sort of drained out of the place now, Lewis. They're sort of, they're in a very perilous position, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's probably a bit harsh to say the motivation's gone. I'd say in some of the recent games, the performances have been a lot better. I mean, they were probably unlucky not to get at least a point uh, in the game against Man City. Um, they were piling on the pressure at the end and uh, had had some chances right at the end that they could have snatched a point. So I think the performances have been better. Um, it feels like they had quite a few goals ruled out for VAR. I know they, uh, they had a winner against in the game against Tottenham ruled out as well by VAR. Um, so Eddie Howe's probably not feeling a bit like uh, nothing's going their way at the minute but I think their their last game of the season's away to Everton which I mean you know that's a game that they could easily spring a surprise and win Everton aren't exactly the team they're not a team you'd bank on at the minute to to win I mean it seems like their results are going either way I mean I wouldn't have thought they would have won at Sheffield United yesterday but they did so you know I think Bournemouth will as long as Watford lose both of their remaining games, I think Bournemouth will think, you know, who knows? We've got a chance. Yeah, and I mean, you look at that sort of relegation battle and the thing that might save um, Watford is that even though Villa and Bournemouth could equal their points tally with 
with one win from, I mean, Bournemouth have one game remaining, Aston Villa have two. But um, Watford are sort of up by four on their goal difference. So, you know, for Bournemouth to leapfrog Watford and rely on Villa not winning any of their remaining two games, they're going to have to, you know, it's going to have to be a comprehensive win, which, you know, may well be a struggle. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'd have in, uh, well, not in favour of Watford is obviously playing Man City tonight and Arsenal. I mean, Man City will obviously, as we'll get on to, obviously very annoyed uh, to get knocked out of the FA Cup. And I wouldn't be surprised if they vented all their frustrations out in a 7-0 thrashing tonight. So, we'll see. I mean, looking at the uh, their starting eleven, they seem to be going out all guns blazing. Um, De Bruyne and Sterling both starting. Very attacking um, look from Man City, so they seem to be in a foul mood after Sunday. But um, another team in the relegation battle that played tonight is uh, Aston Villa, who we've already mentioned, who play um, at home to Arsenal. And uh, they actually picked up a vital point during the week in a 1-1 draw against uh, Aston Villa, which looked like it was going to be a win. They looked like they were going to take all three points, but a late equaliser from Via Walcott sort of... Um, well, sort of stop that in their tracks. Do we think that Aston Villa have have what it takes to um, or get the points to survive in their last two games? Do you, they they play Arsenal and they play West Ham on the final day. Um, they'll surely be looking to get take points on both of those. But do we think they can, Matt? Um, yes, sort of a difficult one to look at. I mean, Arsenal they've had a you know they beat Liverpool and then they beat. Um, Manchester City but you know you still you're still not fully convinced with Arsenal you know they aren't they aren't the finished product mm-hmm. even though they've had you know some really good results so Aston Villa will you know have a you know a little bit of hope that they can go there and get something but you know West Ham that West Ham game is going to be going to be key for them you know you look at those of the teams that are sort of left to play, you know, as Everton, Bournemouth, you know, that could go either way. You look at the two games Watford have, you have to think Watford are going to lose both of them. But West Ham, Aston Villa is the one you look at and you think that out of all the relegated teams, it's the most winnable game. So, But they obviously can't risk uh, pinning all their all their hopes on that. So, you know, it's it's just, it's a difficult thing to call with this this relegation battle, whether, you know, a team like West Ham would have thought, well, we are safe now, um, pretty much, and they, they sort of give up or, or you know, they feel like they've got something to prove still. It's, it's a difficult one to call. Uh, you, you just don't know where it's going to, where it's going to go, which is, you know, it's great for, as a neutral, maybe wouldn't be so great if you were a fan of one of those teams. Which is the exciting part. Uh, Lewis, if Aston Villa do pull it off and survive, um, what do you think they need to do to make themselves a sustainable Premier League club, a regular Premier League club? Uh, well, keeping Jack Grealish would obviously be ideal for them, um, and they maybe get a, they maybe would get away with it if they stayed up, just because of you know coronavirus obviously massively impacting the finances of clubs that could potentially buy Grealish like a Man United so if they stayed up they maybe would be able to keep him um, if they couldn't keep him they got say I don't know 70-80 million for him then obviously you'd just be looking to reinvest that in sort of 
four or five players to add to the squad. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think Villa have got some decent players. I think there's a building block, um, a, a decent sort of structure to build from there um, in terms of becoming a sustainable Premier League club. So, yeah, I think they're in a decent... I, th- I think, put it this way, they're probably in a better place to push on and improve than maybe Watford are if Watford were to stay up. Lewis, do you think that uh, Liverpool's season is going to end on a bit of a whimper? Because when they uh, won a title, they um, everyone thought they were going to break all these records of most home wins, uh, most points, get over 100 points. And now they were they obviously dropped points to Burnley, so they couldn't complete the uh, full house of all wins at home. And now, they, due to loss to Arsenal, they, won't, they can't beat that 100-point mark. Um, is it a bit of little bit of a downer on the end of the season, a bit of a disappointing end to it as a Liverpool fan? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been disappointed by it. Um, I mean, look, the, the most important thing is that we won the league title, but to be, you know, that, that, that was sewn up in sort of December, January time. So in terms of what we could have then achieved on top of that since um, January, we've failed at everything else, you know, um, winning the FA Cup, winning the Champions League, uh, going the season unbeaten, uh, record points total. Obviously, you know, we've not achieved any of those. So that, that is annoying. Um, but to be honest, the bigger worry I'd probably have is the form of the team going into next season. Because uh, at the minute, it's it's not looking great. Um, signings are definitely needed in the summer. And it is a bit of a worry. But like, like I say, look, it, I was annoyed for a few days after the Arsenal defeat. But the fact we've got, we're getting closer and closer to Wednesday, aka the day we lift the title, I think that sort of reboot, rebooted uh, spirits and... Uh, put Liverpool fans in a good mood again, which, you know, we should be because, as I say, that was the main thing we set out to achieve this season was winning the league. Um, where do you think Liverpool need to strengthen for next season in terms of signings? I mean, for me, I think they need to um, buy some more attackers or attackers that are going to challenge the likes of Salah and Mane and Firmino for that front three position, for those positions in the front three. Would you agree or would you look elsewhere in, on the pitch for signings for Liverpool? Yeah, I think in general, it's just sort of um, having a bit more squad depth. I mean, you've got, I mean, you've seen sort of the drop off in quality when um, sort of post lockdown, they've played without the front three being Salah, Firmino and Mane. There's been, you know, you've you've noticed the difference when it's been sort of a Rigi uh, on the pitch instead. Um, you know, he's obviously scored a lot of... Uh, important goals especially last season but you you know if you want to be a really sort of dominant team for years going forward then you know you're going to need more quality in attack um I think you know you could definitely argue there's perhaps not maybe not a need for someone like Thiago in midfield um but he would definitely you know I think improve the the Liverpool midfield and then Perhaps I think you've got Neko Williams can um, do a good job deputising for Alexander-Arnold on the right. But do you really want to keep going forward with James Milner as the deputy to Andy Robertson? Please God, you know? no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely somewhere that Liverpool need to look at is that backup left-back spot. And uh, finally, just to finish off on the chat of the Premier League, obviously it's the... Um, 
the race for Europe, the race for that top four finish. Um, obviously, Manchester United and Leicester on the final day on Sunday. And uh, they both picked up some uh, important wins in the week, both winning 2-0, actually. Leicester at home to Sheffield United winning 2-0 away at Palace. Um, who do we think have the edge going into that final day? Obviously, Manchester United have played that extra game on the weekend, um, lo- losing to uh, losing to Chelsea in the FA Cup. And obviously, they still have to play West Ham on Wednesday night. But who do we think has the edge going into that? And who do we see coming out on top? Um, um, well, come on. Um, so, yeah, it's a tough one. You feel... I mean, I, I mean, from a Liverpool point of view, I'd like to think that we will beat Chelsea, um, which obviously then leaves it very, very close. So it's tough to call. It's really tough to call. Um, let me, uh, yeah. So, so if Man United wins, that's sixty-five. Chelsea mm. lose to Liverpool, sixty-three, and then Leicester sixty-two. So. I just think Man United and Chelsea have the advantage, obviously, having that game in hand. Whereas Leicester have played, played 37 on 62. I just think, I think Man United are sort of sitting in the best position to at least get fourth, maybe even third. As you say, if, if uh, Chelsea lose to Liverpool, then Man United will be in a good position heading into the final day. Yeah, I mean, you look at that game against West Ham, I mean, currently... Man United a sort of joint on goal difference with um, with Leicester, and if they get a you know a pretty healthy win over um, West Ham, then even if um, Leicester beat them on the final day, it's going to have to be by you know the same amount of goals that Man United beat West Ham by in order to well, it's going to have to be by more in order to leapfrog them. So that you know, I think a lot depends on that game against West Ham for Man United as to how strong a position they're in as to whether they need to go out and that and you know beat Leicester or whether they can sort of settle for the draw and yeah I mean a lot for Chelsea it's I mean what Liverpool is going to turn up are Liverpool going to be in a party atmosphere because it's the title lift or will they be you know desperate to to win because you know it's it's the title lift and they don't want to sort of detract from that by going out and putting in a poor performance and losing. So, you know, it's it's an interesting, interesting situation to be in this top four race. You know, you can't sort of call it on paper because there's so many other factors going into it. Yeah. Uh, like, I think calling those, I mean, obviously you'd expect Man United to beat West Ham and the Chelsea-Liverpool game, who knows, but th- those two fi- games on the final day, I mean, Chelsea-Wolves and Leicester Man United, you could make a case for any result in those two games. Um, you know, Wolves still obviously sort of chasing the Europa League place, could easily spoil the party for Chelsea. Um, you know, Leicester out of nowhere could pull off a win against United. So, you know, fair play, fair play to anyone that can sort of call it and predict it now because it's not easy. Okay, we will move on to uh, odd one outs. A game we all love here at, at the Pitch Up podcast. So I have four names primed and ready for you both. And those four names are Jesse Lingard, Aaron Ramsey, 
Steven Gerrard and Didier Drogba. So those are Jesse Lingard, Alan Ramsey, Steven Gerrard and Didier Drogba. I think I might know what the theme is. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> Trying to work out. You do, do you? What it is. I imagine we're thinking along the same lines right now. Yes, the, knowing the theme is one thing, it's going to be the answer. Being the right answer, that's another. Right, we shall move on to the FA Cup. The two semi finals took place over the weekend in the two empty Wembley stadiums for both the games. It's, it looked very weird seeing a an empty Wembley Stadium for FA Cup finals that are usually vibrant and bouncing with both say both sets of supporters but fortunately not to be this year and um, we'll start on the first one that took place on Saturday night which was Arsenal versus Manchester City and I think that result sort of took everyone by surprise Arsenal come out on top as uh, two new winners and Lewis as I said no one really saw that coming did they? No, I don't think anyone gave, uh, when the draw came, I don't think anyone gave Arsenal a scoovy. Um, I thought people probably just thought Man City were going to sort of steamroll them. Um, but fair play to Arsenal. Uh, you know, obviously were boosted by the, the win over Liverpool and, yeah, continue their sort of improvement under Arteta. And they, they basically just did what they sort of did against Liverpool, just took their chances and attack and then were sort of happy to, well, let's call it what it was. It was parking the bus. Um, and But yeah, we're happy to park the bus. And just Man City couldn't really get through. I think Man City had, were limited to one shot on target, I think, in the end. Um, so, you know, to keep Man City down to such few chances obviously shows you what a good defensive job Arsenal did. And they're just lucky they've obviously got such a great uh, finisher up front in Aubameyang. Um, it seems that um, when it comes to the Premier League, Manchester City have Arsenal's number. But when it comes to the FA Cup, Arsenal have Man City's number. That seems to be the case over the last few years, it seems. Um, Matt, two standout performances in that game for Arsenal, for me, it seems, was um, David Luiz and uh, the goalkeeper, Ilimano Martinez. Um, with Martinez, can you see him as a credible number one for Arsenal next season? Of course, Leno will still be out injured, so he probably missed the start of next season. But do you think that um, Martinez will certainly be challenging for that in the future? Oh, well, Emiliano Martinez is just an absolute quality goalkeeper. We had him on loan for second half of the season at Reading in the Championship. And, you know, he was part of a group of loan players that basically uh, kept us up. Um, so, I've, I mean... It depends how long sort of Bernd Leno is out and whether Martinez can keep up his form. But if he keeps playing um, next season the way he has done this season, then when Leno comes back, I think it's you know it's going to be difficult for him to just walk straight back in. If you've got a player playing as well as uh, Martinez is, you know I think you just keep him in goal for you know as long as he's in good form. So it's, it'll be it'll be a difficult one going forward, but it's it's a nice problem for Mikel Arteta to have with you know people vying for two positions, and you can make a fair argument that both of them are deserving of it. 
Um, and Lewis, um, if I'm right in saying, with that Arsenal getting to the FA Cup final, does that mean that um, they get the uh, Europa League spot? Do they get that final Europa League spot? Or do they have to win it, win the FA Cup to get that? Yeah, so they have to win it. Uh, which... Oh, OK. Because I know in the past, it was, um, you only have to get to the final. But I think, do they have to win it now? I think it's always been you. Win the FA Cup to get like, I don't think it's enough just getting to the final. Um, but yeah, I mean. Um, do you, but uh, I've seen some Arsenal fans saying that maybe, maybe not having Europe League football may be better for them next season. Do you think Europe League football will be beneficial for Arsenal next season, or do you think they would be better without it? See, I think from a from an Arsenal point of view, I, I I kind of feel they'd be better without it. I think they've had it for a few seasons now. I mean, it's been nice for them in in that they've obviously been able to give a lot of the youngsters game time. It's how the likes of, uh, you know, uh, Saka were sort of introduced into the team. So from that point of view, they'd probably want it to continue. But like I said, they're probably sort of a bit sick of it and they might just prefer a sort of clean schedule of just uh, the league and then the domestic cups. Um, but I think from a in terms of point of view of their rivals for the Europa League places, I think Tottenham point of view, Tottenham, I do think would very much want Europa League um, and probably would see it as a competition. They think they could win as Jose has been saying in uh, the press conferences recently. And I think from a Wolves point of view, they'd probably want Europa League as well, just to sort of continue building as a club. Um, We'll move on to the other semi-final, which took place on Sunday. It was, um, a 3-1 win for Chelsea and um, I mean I think the main main reason for the three goals that Chelsea scored was um, calamitous errors from uh, David De Gea I mean it's not the first time we've talked about it since we've come back about um, errors made by David De Gea and uh, they continue Matt Yeah I mean it's it's just amazing the drop off in form since sort of he'd made a a few errors at that uh, the 2018 World Cup it's just been yeah I mean he's gone from probably the best arguably the best goalkeeper in the world to sort of one of the most error strewn goalkeepers in terms of those at elite clubs and yeah I mean the more the more errors he makes especially in big games like an FA Cup semi-final where you know you've got the chance for winning some go into a showpiece final, win some some big silverware. You know, when it's goals like that, that, you know, not only are costing you points, it's costing you a chance at silverware, then, you know, you do wonder just how long it can uh, continue. But, I mean, in terms of the idea of bringing in Dean Henderson, you mean, I mean, we've already seen he's made a couple of errors this season most notably sort of that one against Liverpool and you you just wonder whether as a young goalkeeper making those errors at Sheffield United as opposed to Manchester United is a whole world of difference and whether if he does become Man United's um, number one and he does make an error it's you know it, it would be too soon for him so it's it's a difficult it's a difficult uh decision they've got to make next season Man United and I'm not quite sure what the the right one would be. Uh, Lewis, um, how much of a successful season would you say that Frank Lampard has had? Because when you look at it on paper, it's a 
He's gone to an FA Cup final, a possible third place Champions League spot for next season, and uh, all that on um, obviously not not allowed to buy any players in the summer transfer window. Would you say he is a shout for a manager of the season, Frank Lampard? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't have any. I wouldn't have him anywhere near manager of the season. Um, I'd reserve that for Jurgen Klopp. Um, with maybe Chris Wilder in a close second. But um, no, to be fair, Lampard's really, really impressed me. Um, you know, you consider he was at, um, you know, Derby only recently. The fact he's now managing Chelsea uh, to, yeah, as you say, potentially third place, uh, you know, obviously in the Champions League at the minute, well, won't be for very much longer once that second leg uh, starts against <laughs> Bayern. But, you know, the tr- and transfer-wise, obviously, you know, made some very shrewd signings and some big signings as well. The likes of Zayat, Chaverna, potentially even Havertz. Obviously, it'd be interesting to see where that saga goes. Um, so, he's really impressed me and he's turned Chelsea into a force again. And obviously, Chelsea fans have got every right to be very optimistic about the direction they're heading in under Lampard. Right, so we shall move on to our favourite game on the Pitch Up podcast, which is... Uh... Brian Blessed Fact or Fiction, or as Lewis likes to call it, Brian O'Brien. Yes, Brian. So how, how we do this, how we play this game is that um, the legend that is Brian Blessed has done a manner of things in his life. So we like to separate the fact from the fiction and uh, see what he has or hasn't done. So, Lewis, I'm going to start with you. Oh. As you are his favourite. Um, so, your Brian Blessed fact of fiction is he has swum the English Channel. Hmm, Brian, Blessed Brian Blessed has swum, swum the English Channel. Hmm. See, he, I mean, no offence to him, he probably, if he has swum it, he's probably not swum it very fast. But it, it might have been, a, a, you know, a, tort- a tortoise and the hare kind of thing. Tortoise? <laughs> I don't think he was racing someone. I think he was <laughs> doing it for a charity event. For his money for comic relief. Um, oh, wait. Is that you admitting he did do it then? Or is it? Oh. Or is it just a very convincing lie? Oh. Would I like to? Uh, right. <laughs> Uh, many a celebrity has probably swum the channel for charity, but I don't think Brian Blessed was one of them. So I'm going to go fiction. You go in fiction, and you'd be right to go fiction. Ooh. He has not swum the English Channel, unfortunately. <laughs> right, still got you, time. Matt. Still got time. Still got time, yeah, 83, yeah, he's still, knowing Brian Blessed, he probably still has time to do something like that. Um, Matt, one for you. Brian Blessed has 12 siblings. 12? 12 siblings. That's a lot of siblings. Could you imagine if they all sound like him? Yeah, could you imagine 12 versions of Brian Blessed? That's what I imagine they're all like his... (laughs) His clones. Yeah, they all, they all sound like <laughs> I mean, that's a lot. A lot of people. Um, they all... So he's one of 13. 
they're all genuine siblings like no like half siblings or anything like that or are we not allowed to ask these questions um two i think when i was looking at it two were half siblings and the mm. rest were full-blooded full-blooded <laughs> yeah. this is harry potter full-blooded blessed i mean it could be feasible he is in his 80s he's from yorkshire i'm not quite sure what that's meant to mean but it just sounds say, feasible what are you saying about people from yorkshire yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like if Brian Blessed was like your first child, surely you'd just give up because you wouldn't be able to make anyone oh, as man. good as him. Oh, okay. You'd, so you'd no maybe be able to create a better specimen. Uh, um, you know, I reckon that's true. You reckon it's true? Yeah. Unfortunately, Matt, it is false. He does oh, not have two false siblings. How many does he have? Yeah, he actually has five. Uh, <laughs> um, um, I think it was four. I think when I was looking it up, I think it was four. So well done to Lewis. For I mean, I did. I did just Google Brian Blessed siblings, and it comes up with the headline: Brian Blessed. Brian Blessed claims he met his reincarnated brother uh, no. as a small Canadian boy. <laughs> oh, Matt, Matt, you've now ruined a future. Yeah, that <laughs> actual fiction. That's an absolute golden one, there, Matt. No, you've ruined. <laughs> yeah, no research allowed. Otherwise, you're ruining. <laughs> um, not to worry. We shall move on to the. Um, yeah, Adam. Adam. So should... Adam. Have I got a, a lead in the Brian? Um, yeah, I mean, if you're counting, I mean, it's. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, because because uh, <coughs> speaking of leads. Oh wow! Wow. I don't know if that's a very good or very bad segue into um, <laughs> our next topic, which is the championship where Leeds United secured not just promotion, but the championship title, surprisingly, without even kicking a ball. They had done so without even kicking a ball after Friday, they secured promotion on Friday night after Huddersfield upset the odds and beat West Brom by two goals to one. In that game, Huddersfield uh, secured their survival in the championship, so there was a must-win must for them. And then Brentford lost a 1-0 away at Stoke, who were also um, fighting for survival, So, which meant that Leeds could uh, lift the championship trophy on Sunday. I think they did. But um, Lewis, uh, it's, it's a bit weird because everyone talks about how Leeds were like, uh, like such a huge club and sort of like the sleeping giants but I mean at least for me like in our life in my lifetime watching football I only remember them in the championship like because it's been 16 years since since they've been in the Premier League and I think that's sort of before our time like maybe like a year or two before we started watching football. I mean, I know that's the case for me. I don't know about you two. Yeah, yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I'd say it's probably sort of like maybe 
four or five because when you think of Leeds in the Premier League, you probably think of what like I don't know early two thousands maybe sort of yeah. And that's just me recalling like Premier League years and just like, yeah. Mark Viduka and uh, Lee Bowyer and stuff like that. Yeah, Alan Smith. Alan Smith. Yeah. But um, yeah, but oh, excited to sort of see Leeds back in the Premier League. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. it's always nice to see um, well sort of new teams in terms of teams that haven't been in the Premier League in the last sort of few seasons. Um, and, uh, you know, as I say, they are a massive club. Um, a lot of their games next season will have some added spice to them. Um, games against the likes of Man United, um, you know, she- Sheffield United and stuff like that. So, yeah, no, it's uh, it's good to have them back and uh, it will make for uh, add more intrigue to next season's Premier League. I mean, I've, I've seen some stories already about the type of players they're linked with. I think I've heard Joe Hart, James Milner, obviously start where he started his career. Um, and then the two I've seen today, which was uh, pretty bonkers, was Edison Cavani and Slatan Ibrahimovic. Well, I mean, <laughs> their, um, their, their chairman said that they tried to sign uh, Ibrahimovic in January when they were still in the championship. And he <laughs> said no, funnily enough. Funnily enough, goal. Yeah. Yeah. Or Likely than uh, Cavani, but Ibrahimovic, you could maybe see somehow. I, I think you could more see Cavani because I think if Leeds are good, I think if Leeds throw the money at Cavani, I, I can sort of see him doing it. But it's it's a weird, a weird transfer stories there. But, um, well, I mean, he's he was talking about both of them, Radrizani. He said. You know, we tried to sign Ibrahimovic in January, but he chose to join Milan and the deal vanished. Um, but then speaking about Cavani, he said, uh, I've never talked about him with the coach, but we've certainly thought about him and we'll see given he's available on a free transfer. <laughs> well, what's that? Why don't they just go Thiago Silva as well? Mario Gertz, <laughs> come on. Yeah, Willian. Take your pick, yeah, William. Go on, why not? Matty Longstaff, he could be on his way out. Just, just go for it. Go but um, it's not all said and done in the championship. It was especially in both at both ends of the table. We'll start with the the uh, second place. Obviously, the rest of second place has been sort of an intriguing one uh, between West Brom and Brentford. Especially made more intriguing in that they both lost at the weekend to. Uh, Huddersfield and Stoke respectively um, who do we see sort of taking that uh, second spot because I know Brentford played in last place Barnsley on the last day and West Brom I think is it Birmingham QPR. Oh, QPR QPR well I don't like QPR at the moment because they ruined Hill's <laughs> chances at the top six spot all they had to do was roll aside and let us win to get that to be with the shout in the last day, but not to be. But um, yeah, it's going to be very a very interesting last day. And do we who do we see taking that sort of second spot, or who do we want to see? I mean, I feel I feel like it's a difficult one to call because I mean, you see, you'd say on paper you'd rather play Barnsley second from bottom than you know QPR who are fine in fourteenth, but obviously Barnsley have plenty to play for. They're only two points off getting out the relegation zone, whereas QPR have nothing to play for. So, you know, you've got to 
<laughs> it's a it's a weird one whether Barnsley will give it everything and QPR will roll over or whether QPR are a better team and they'll they'll turn up. But I mean, I feel like personally, um, I'd quite like to see Brentford go up because I think the way they're they're the way they're set up, sort of the the way they do their transfer business, you know, they're happy to sell and replace players and they always sort of tend to get it right I mean you look at they sold um, Neil Morpai to uh, to Brighton at the start of the season as their top scorer and then they brought in um, Mabumo as a winger and converted Ollie Watkins and he's been in fantastic form and they've got quite a decent um, core of players and you know as like we said Lewis with Leeds it'd be quite nice to see a a different team up in the Premier League. I think I saw a stat saying that um, I think Roy Hodgson hadn't was like I think it's been yeah he was the only manager to have been. I think he managed his first game in the Premier League um, after Brentford played their last game in the top flight. Something ridiculous like that. So it's, that's how long it's been yeah. since Brentford have been in that top flight. So. I'm sure they would very much welcome return if they uh, get there. But, um, of course, there's still uh, the case of the relegation battle. And it's quite surprising. Like, I can't remember the last time I saw like a case where, going into the last day, that none of the, there's been no relegated teams yet. All, all of the teams in the relegation zone have a chance of survival. Of course, they all won't. I mean, there's a very, very slim chance for... Um, Hull, they look as good as down due to their um, inferior goal difference, minus 27. They need a 16-goal swing on the final day to stand stand a chance of uh, staying up. Yeah, I mean, for them, it's ever since they lost Jared Bowen, really. Yeah, selling Bowen and and Camille Grzycki as well, leaving for West Brom. Oh, yes. Was that a loan deal or was that a permanent? I think think it might have been loan with a view to a Mm. permanent. Yeah, but as I say, losing those two key players and not really replacing them has sort of um, done them over, really. And they look set to go down to League One. I mean, of course, being in the FA Cup final six years ago and now League One, how the mighty have fallen there. But um, as we mentioned, Barnsley, who uh, played Brentford on the last day. So that would be an interesting one where both of the teams have got high stakes to play for. And uh, Luton picking up a crucial win in their last game, uh, which was Hull actually, which could have been what sent them down. They play, uh, Luton played Blackburn on the last day, and Stoke, who are down there as well, they play Nottingham Forest, who still need a point to guarantee them playoffs next season. So it's going to be a very interesting and a very spicy final day to the Championship season. Yeah, I think as well. These games play. Nothing as well. Charlton joint on points with Luton. They've got uh, the champions Leeds, which is oh, going yes, to be very difficult. No, yeah, definitely depends what sort of Leeds team turn out. Are they still mm. over from the weekend? Liverpool <laughs> season. <to> the- <laughs> yeah. And then their first game back from champions, they were a bit hungover, weren't they? Mm. Lost oh, oh, City. But um, that we have- judging by the uh, the the mess that Leeds seem to be in. Uh, the day after and a couple of days after the celebrations, you wouldn't be surprised if they were a bit hungover. Mm. And Charlton need the win, so you could see a win for them there. But um, that'll be all very um, interesting to see. And that'll be 
seven thirty. It's it's a bit weird seeing a a league season ending on a Wednesday night. I mean, I know we're in unprecedented times and situation, but still, but they they'll all be kicking off on seven seven thirty on Wednesday night, and I think we'll all be keeping a close eye on that on that fascinating fascinating last day. Uh, right, we shall end off on odd one outs. The four names I gave you earlier were Jesse Lingard, Stephen Gerrard, Aaron Ramsey and Didier Drogba. So I will ask for your answers, please. I'll start with Matt. Um, well, I think the odd one out is Stephen Gerrard because they've all scored goals in an FA Cup final. But I think the other three scored the winners, whereas Gerrard's famous one against West Ham was the equaliser and took it to penalties. Lewis? Uh, I have the exact same as Matt. My answer is Steven Gerrard because uh, he hasn't scored the winner in an FA Cup final, whereas the other three all have. I think this week was a bit of an easier one. Yeah. Three points for both of you. Like, finally, I was, I was worried this season that we weren't going to get that way. <laughs> Two of you or three of you got all, all three points. But yes, um, Stephen Gerrard's the odd one out. It's the only one who hasn't scored a winning goal in an FA Cup final. Of course, Jesse Lingard did it in the, is it the 2015 final. He did it in the, the, the Arju Dance final. Arju Dance. Um, Aaron Ramsey in the 2014 FA Cup oh. final. And Didier Drogba, I looked up, he's done it in, he's done it on three occasions. Three I times where he's finals um, his, winning goal. His competition. Yeah. Right? He, he sort of turned up on big FA Cup final days. And yes, as we alluded to, Stephen Gerrard, he scored, he got two goals in that um, FA Cup final against West Ham. But of course, they weren't the winning goals as they went on to win that on penalties. So, uh, well done to both of you, getting three points there. And with that, we will... Uh, Call it a day on this uh, episode of the Pitch Up Podcast. You can find us on Spotify, on YouTube, and on iTunes and SoundCloud. And uh, we shall see you all next week.